0: Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host Kevin Byrne. What a weekend it was in Dublin! Katie Taylor emulated boxing legends such as Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard by avenging her first loss and then targeting a trilogy with the same opponent. Ali had Fraser, Leonard had Duran, and now Taylor has Chantelle Cameron, having beaten the Englishwoman at the same at the second attempt to become a two weight undisputed world champion that puts her in another bracket alongside clarissa shields and terence crawford from the modern era and past greats such as evander holyfield sugar ray robinson henry armstrong and benny leonard joining me today to discuss a famous night in the capital are ORTY sports siobhan madigan and mick foley of the sunday times who were both at ringside as i was at the three arena on a special night welcome to the show folks uh, I want to just start off with a with a quote from Carl Frott. She was talking about the Lucian Boot fight that he had a few years ago. And he said, metaphorically, he'd have slit his throat to get that win. Did you get that sense from Katie on Saturday? Siobhan, I'll start with you.
1: Yeah, I think you did. I think uh, it, was, it was an all or nothing fight. It was well built up as just that uh, for Saturday night. And I think Katie went in with the intention of leaving it all in the ring. And if that was to be good enough, well, so be it. It was good enough. It was more than good enough. I think it was probably Katie's best performance in 10 years.
0: 10 years, Mick. A long time. She's made a professional debut. Seven years ago, there's been some great nights in the professional arena. Probably none more so than when she beat Amanda Serrano in a big grudge match at Madison Square Garden. But Saturday night, I don't know if it was a fight apart. You were there for both of them. Uh, can you just tell us your own assessment of it?
2: Yeah, was it? I thought it was her best. Certainly in the professional era. Like, I was in New York as well for the Serrano fight. And that was sort of different in ways. And this Cameron fight was unique in ways. Obviously unique because she's coming off her first defeat. But there was something something that's going on there as well, I thought, you know, that kind of just lift, that elevated a little bit higher. I mean, she would have slit throat. She would have slit anybody's throat. I mean, you could see it. You could see it coming out on, on the ring walk. Like, the ring walk, I think the last night, the first night, I think the ring walk was about six minutes or something like that. It was something crazy. I timed this one last Saturday night, like 60 seconds. And you could tell, you could tell looking at her, she wasn't. She wasn't there for the ring walk. She was already, she was in the ring. She was already visualizing what she wanted to do, where she wanted to go, how she wanted to be. Like the tone was set. There was no fooling around. There was no fooling around. Not that there was that much fooling around the first night either, to be fair. I mean, you know, it's funny how the way these things go. I mean, the first night was a tight, I mean, Cameron deserved it, but it was a tight fight. Um, but it was kind of, obviously then the passing of time and people are reflecting have been reflecting for quite a while uh about her mortality as a boxer and it's interesting chiffon says it's best performance in 10 years because i think there probably has been a decline over the last bunch of fights even through these enormous fights i mean the serrano one after four rounds it looked like oh my god you know is, is it going to end here you know but she pulled it out um yeah I, uh, I i yeah it, it it was a phenomenal performance not enormously surprising, too, like when you actually saw it happening before your eyes. You know, there was a kind of a real GA thing about this whole thing as well. And I was like, we lost to that crowd. There's no way we're going to lose again. So what yeah. do we need to do? Right, lads, this is what we're going to do. We're going to shut down over the media. Right? We're going to let them do all the talking if they're going to be talking, yeah. We're saying nothing, right? Uh, we're going to yeah. go in there, totally different attitude. We're going to find a different way to, to fight this time. We're going to do something a little bit different. And we're going to hammer the hammer. We're going to yeah. go after their strength, and we're going to show them that their strength might well be a weakness, or it's certainly not going to be the strength it might have been the last day.
0: So I can see a situation. On the- I can see a situation next year when where Limerick pull off the five in a row, and they say, huh, we re- we read the articles. They said it couldn't <laughs> be done. They doubted <laughs> us. They all they all went against <laughs> us." And it's like. Now you were the four in a row champions. You were well fancied, sure. but uh, you know it's it's great to get a bit of motivation from it. Yeah. Siobhan, you've you've covered Katie for an awful long time. Like, did you did you get a set? Did you get like she was talking about the Deros? Have you seen her in that sort of bullish form before?
1: I mentioned this in the radio last week. I was lucky enough to be in Chicago for the World Men's Championships back in 2007. And on that occasion, Katie was invited over by the then AIBA, the the amateur governing body, to fight an exhibition fight. And depending on how it was received and how it went, it determined whether women's boxing got into the Olympics. I met Katie a couple of times in the the, the days leading up to the fight against a Canadian lady, uh, Katie Dunn. And Katie Taylor was just in that zone. She just didn't want to see, mix, talk to anyone in the lead up to it. She was solely focused. And when I saw Katie again on Thursday of last week, three days out from, from fight night, she was back in that zone. And it just so happened, like, you know, Legacy was on the line on both occasions. If Katie hadn't done the business in Chicago in 2007, would we be here today talking about an undisputed two-weight world professional champion, a five-time world champion, a six-time European champion, an Olympic champion? No, we wouldn't if, if that didn't go well for her that day. If it didn't go well last Saturday, it was the same. Would we be talking about what's next for Katie Taylor? We wouldn't, but she has proved on both occasions that once she gets her mindset right, it doesn't matter. It's all just noise outside the camp. She doesn't hear it anyway. They'll probably have a a little bit of a talk about it in the aftermath, who wrote her off or who questioned her. But in the build-up to it, it doesn't matter a jot to Katie Taylor.
0: Yeah, we. I've heard of a uh, great name drops. That was a great location drop, oh, Chicago, two thousand and seven. <laughs> 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 Mythical <laughs> events. <laughs> I've seen a say, "I was in Barbados in 20. It's like, all right, lads, okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think we saw like a like a different. I, I think we saw a different Taylor in this one. Um, the aggression was ramped up that I haven't necessarily seen before. We've had to see. Taylor fight on the back foot sometimes and bring the like meet the aggression that Serrano brought and it's like kind of shocked into it almost like Serrano was so aggressive she knew this was going to be the case but had to meet fire with fire. I was expecting if Taylor was to win this she was going to have to stink the place out a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she was going to really have to completely outbox Cameron, go on the back foot, make her miss, make her come in, make her look silly, duck and dive, get the win at all costs. I didn't really anticipate if she was going to win this. She was going to, as Mick said. Hammer to hammer, really go, just go as aggressive as possible in every single way. While while remaining, the boxer on the back foot, the one who was doing the retreating, she was also drawing Cameron in, hitting mm-hmm. her as she came in, taking a punch, but then having a the final say as well. She was liberal with use of the head and holding. She was tying up. She was doing whatever she could to dissuade Cameron's attacks, and then she was closing the distance as well. So she was. Yeah, trying to well, I hit- think
1: that that was the key kevin it was closing that difference cameron was a real fighter that had to box behind the jab so the one main thing that they worked on in that six month period was not allowing cameron to get that job going like if you look back on it katie nearly had the first shot in every duel and the last shot
0: mm. yes
1: and, and, and that was the difference you know, you you shut down the space. Katie was happy enough to to let her work inside if she could, but most of the most of the shots that Cameron landed were on the upper arms and whatnot. They really, really weren't doing any damage because she wasn't getting her first shot in. She wasn't getting that jab in, and that just dis- it just put her off. You know, I'd say the Taylor camp, Ross enemy, they planned for every eventuality. They were willing to change to whatever ploy they needed to do. Ploy number one was to stop her getting that
2: job. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting as well, because I mean I I don't know what you thought, but it, it, I was slightly surprised that Cameron didn't come with something slightly different, you know. She kind of did the same thing she did the last day, but she just come forward through this through the whirlwind combinations, just like walking through propellers all the time. And I mean she marks up easy. And I mean after round one, she was already you could see the bumps coming and by round two, and of course, then she got the got the cut by round three. But like she she didn't seem to change things up and off that, which probably played into all of that preparation as well from Katie's point of view. Like it was, I mean, you were watching it and it was, I mean, the combinations were flying. She probably was, I'm not sure Katie was hurting Cameron that much, Not certainly not until later on in the fight, but she was scoring the whole time. And as hmm. you said, Kev, she was doing whatever it took to wrap her up. I mean, by, after, yeah. not, it wasn't even the end of round three. And Cameron's camp were, were screaming at yeah. the referee about holding. Screaming. I wonder... But it's sorry to put across. This one one everything just popped into my head. I think it was before the 10th round. Either, be, either between the 8th and the 9th and the 9th and the 10th. Ross Ennema was in the corner. And all you could see him scream was box, box, box. So it was kind of like... I took that as stick to the plan like she loves a tear up mm. there was there was the potential there for a tear up during the night and she did get involved that's what I mean by hammering the hammer she walked Cameron down in the way that Cameron walked her down a few times the last night. and you didn't have, she didn't have to do it all night she just had to do it a few times to show Cameron she could do it but obviously there was a framework here that she had to stay within and be disciplined so even yeah. though it looked to me there was chaos there was it was chaos in some regards but there was a there was a framework within which the chaos was working.
0: Yeah, and, and, a, and a confidence, the a confidence that she had the physical durability, the mental strength yeah. to follow it, everything in place to go with it. Like it was, it was kind of difficult afterwards at the press conference to decipher. Like we we're trying to find out what the tactics were, and like obviously there was three of them at the top table, and you only have a limited amount of time. I think the press conference lasted about twenty-four minutes, but we were trying to. I wanted to hear from Ross what was the game plan, what were the tactics. I wanted to hear from Katie. How did you do this? You know, did you enjoy yourself? What was it like? And the rudder, was Crow Park seemed to dominate the conversation. And then later on, there was questions about Conor McGregor. We might get to that later on. But um, I wanted to find out what the tactics were and they were not really revealing it. It was, it was one game. at It was one round at a time. You know, it was get the job done effectively. There was no, there was um, like Ross Ename was wearing his t-shirt, Roger Mayweather. You don't know shit about boxing t-shirt, which like definitely, uh, you know, an up yours to the assembled audience. Um, who, who wrote Katie off and, you know, but asked about why didn't you, you know, what was different than last time? That wasn't the real me. What were the issues? I'm not telling you. What did you do differently this time? It was the real me and that's all you're getting. And that was, you know, and maybe, maybe hinting at like they are going to probably fight a third time and, you know, why give it all away? Well, there's well, two things I'm... there. I'm oh, sorry, Shwan. go on,
1: go on Siobhan. sorry. Just just on that point, maybe it was the real Katie Taylor Mm. on on Saturday night last, but was it the real Chantel Cameron on Saturday night? Mm. Like, that's the big thing. Chantel Cameron had spoke very openly in the build-up all last week about having a tricep injury in the first fight, which, to my mind, was going to make her stronger and more come forward and better on Saturday night. But we didn't see it. Now, yes, that was... You know, yeah. Katie's ultra defense, that was Katie's tactics, as I said, to, to, to close her down. But have we now had two fighters where only one fighter has turned up on, on each given night? Yeah, it sets That's it nicely up for our tri- trilogy.
0: That's an interesting point as well. And I think there's a couple of factors that may be led to the performance we saw from Chantel Cameron. Obviously, Katie had a different attitude and, and approached the fight differently. And went in with a different strategy from the start, far more aggressive from the get-go, as opposed to trying to maybe bank a few rounds and getting overwhelmed by the aggression and pressure that came away. But also, the atmosphere in the arena, Cameron was killed as a cucumber last time, said it didn't affect her. But if I rem- if I recall correctly, when Cameron and Taylor got into the ring last time, the atmosphere had just been popped by long ring walks that took about you know 24 hours by the feel of it and Dennis Hogan and Gary Cully have both just fallen to their defeats in the pre- preceding yeah. bouts as well the atmosphere wasn't the same it didn't reach the same crescendo as. and when you, when you tie that atmosphere in with maybe a fitter a fuller, fit, a fully fit Taylor and with a better mindset with a more aggressive mindset then in the first round she scores what there's a large debate about it. it's like a like a genuine VAR call but was it a knockdown in the first round so she we can talk about like Taylor negated her jab, but did she knock Taylor down with a legitimate jab? Should it have been a knockdown? I'm not saying it would have changed the scorecard of the fight. You know, it wouldn't have changed the result at the end of the fight had she got a 10-9 or 10-8 instead of a 10-9. But you know, there's a butterfly effect on everything, isn't there? Like if you score yeah. a knockdown, if you're confident that you've knocked her down, now you've got a two round, a two point advantage at the end of the first round. That's going to change how you fight in the second round and third round. And obviously, it was an accidental clash of heads. I think the Cameron team are alleging it was a headbutt or whatever after the third, in the third round. It was an accidental clash of heads. Taylor bounced off the ropes, brought her head forward as she was, you know, the momentum off the ropes. Bang, their heads came together. Cameron's covered in blood. Quite a deep cut, quite a nasty cut. Didn't really see how deep it was from ringside, but we were looking up at the monitors. Um, so Cameron was knocked out of her stride. She came as the champion, not, didn't want to be in Dublin at all, was annoyed about it. Yeah. And then events in the arena seemed to be going against her as well. So it was... It it felt like Katie's night. It did. And I mean, I think, you know, in terms of that atmosphere that you talked about,
2: I definitely thought, and this is credit to Katie, obviously, as well. But when she was landing those combinations, even if you could see from ringside, they weren't really hurting Cameron. They were scoring, but they weren't hurting her. The crowd would go nuts. Every time it was a big combination, there was this huge roar, huge roar, which has to play. Has to help. It's got to help. Like, yeah. if you're a judge and, and you, you know, it'll tilt you, it might tilt you one way or the other. Like, but it was interesting just about them not um, revealing the tactics. I mean, if you think about it, like, they won't want to because they're going to have to think of it, they're probably going to have to think of tactics for, for third time out. They'll go again, and, yeah. And also, if you're trying to develop a siege mentality, you want to keep the people on the outside guessing where you are, how you are. They'd love, like, they would love it if people started talking about Crow Park, if it's Crow Park, as her swan song them, Because, like, that's more grist to the mill. Yeah. Because, I mean, one of the things that really impressed me, I, I don't, like, I had a chat with another sportsman about ageing and, and all this kind of stuff last week, actually, and how it's just a number, et cetera. But you have to be impressed with a 37-year-old boxer of Katie's experience and track record and the amount of fights she's had. Keeping it going all the way to round 10. Like, if the Cameron camp had any notion that she might Tire a little bit, and I think do think Cameron got better as the fight went on, and probably won a couple of rounds towards the end. But still, not the stamina levels Katie had, and the just the, just the mental stamina, the ability to keep doing the things that she's so good at. You know, seeing seeing shots coming from way off and just getting way on her movement, and all the rest, was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary.
0: I think um, it takes a long time for a boxer to develop from a top amateur to top professional. I think we've seen in the last two or three years as Taylor's opposition has gone. To a higher level, a higher calibre. She's now become very much a fully fledged professional. Obviously, she she has been for a couple of years. I think Siobhan, but I think we're now seeing we're we're now seeing this is I suppose peak pro pro boxer, box puncher kind of tailor or a box puncher. Like she can do all the stuff that the old veterans can do. I see it, like her coach Ross when she came through. He used to compare her to like Vasil Lomachenko and kind of like the uh, the fencing equivalent, of, the fencing kind of boxers, the great Olympians, and she was one, of course. But now he, when he compares her to boxers, he mentions to like say James Tony, Bernard Hopkins, and and you know maybe you're watching her do tonight. You're maybe seeing shades of Marvin Hagler because she can use her head to defend herself muck up her opponent and and stay on the right side stay on the right side yeah. of the referee as well it's clever stuff like it's it has yeah
1: to, I, th- I tying think up so. a clinching, you know yeah absolutely like Ross Sename spoke last week and, and he compared the, the approach right. they had yeah. uh, and the build up to this fight uh, like something like the, uh-huh. the build up to the fight between Bernard Hopkins and Kelly Pavlik in Atlantic City a couple of years ago and that occasion uh, Hopkins was 43 years of age and Pavlik was an unbeaten 26-0 fighter. Mm. Nobody gave Hopkins a chance. They said he's a spent fighter, he's over the hill and he's done. And he came out and, and, and silenced everybody, similar to the way that, that Katie done it the other night. But yes, you know, Katie is now like a fine wine in professional boxing. She now can pick her opponents, obviously, at the top of her game. Yeah. She didn't. Did she have to take that Cameron meet, rematch? You know, if if she really wanted Serrano too, in in my thoughts prior to, to to Saturday night, that's the way she should have gone. But no, Katie has always spoken about legacy, and she had to right that wrong. She had to go away and do the work that was necessary. And Ross Enemy, his background is strength and conditioning, and he primed her perfectly for that. So again, you know, she's still learning, even though she's 37 years of age, she's still learning on the job.
0: And I think the mention of the name Amanda Serrano as well throws up one difficulty for the Crow Park date yeah. because Taylor's only going to get one shot at this. She's only going to get one date, like be it May the twenty, whatever call it, like a, a random a random date. She's only going to get one shot at it. And do you want to select an opponent who's got form for pulling out? Because that could be, that, you know, and you don't want to give a boxer a rival boxer, that power over your career. Like we saw Tyson Fury, he is echoing now what Vladimir Klitschko did. He likes to hold all the power and Klitschko did it to him. Pullouts, pull outs, pull outs, wreck your head, get in your head, you know, basically dominate you before you even get in the uh, cost you a lot of money as well, before you even get in the ring with them. And Serrano's played that game with Taylor a few times, pulled out injured, forced Taylor to go back to the drawing board. I think it, I think picking Serrano's a risk. Maybe if I find Serrano if I'm Katie Taylor. America maybe finally get her Las Vegas fight or go back to Madison Square Garden but I think it's a lot a lot to uh, entrust to hand her the Crow Park date
2: I wouldn't do it I, I just, no I wouldn't do it anyway I, for all the reasons you just described I, to be honest I still find the Crow Park idea a bit a bit too pie in the sky for me I just can't I can't conceive it even with Taylor Cameron 3 like if the fights had been on terrestrial TV if there had been a bit more and I mean you know God bless them neither of them are particularly uh, they particularly enjoy the media side of things so they're, they're not I mean Cameron just point blank just doesn't want to be introduced to an Irish audience it seems Just doesn't want to know um, and Katie we know likes to keep it to the bare minimum for all sorts of reasons so um, I, I find it I still find it pro-parting kind of pie in the sky you'd love to imagine it'll happen but it just just feels a little bit I don't know, far fetched to me or something. I don't know. I'm not even sure Max Room wants it to be brutally honest. But you reckon? Uh, I don't know. It just seems like like if if, if I'm in Max Room and I'm kind of just weighing up the pros and cons of this, and of course you want to do what Katie wants to do and you wanna put that out there.
1: Absolutely. Like there's
2: a lot of variables in this. And you're dealing with a stadium you don't know, you're dealing with people you don't normally deal with. I'd say if Eddie Hearn in the morning had a chance he'd put her in Wembley and just do it I Yeah, know. rather yeah. than Crow Park and all the stuff that comes with it and he's already had a taste of it you know in terms of trying to get it going last year yes. and you know the, the realities around what things cost and who will and won't pay for them and the thing is like Jay are not going to come on their hands and knees. They're sitting there going,
0: well, if you want, if you want the use of the hall, you pay for it. You know, yeah. The st- and the state makes up the, uh, the state makes up the balance. Uh, either Hearn reaches into his pockets, which are quite deep at this stage. You know, mm-hmm. dealing constantly now with the Saudis, and is in on a, is part of a big joint card on December twenty third. You know what I mean? Matchroom are not cash for. and he's either going to have to dig deep into his own pockets or convince the state that they need to invest in uh, the Katie Taylor show. And, and to be fair, Siobhan, if Taylor was to fight Serrano or Cameron next summer in Crow Park, it would be one of the biggest world events in boxing next year. Do you think it's something the state should invest
1: in? Um, I don't know about that. And, you know, like like Mick says, I'm not sure whether Crow Park is really the place to go. I know Katie would love to fight in Las Vegas. And I think a Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano showdown in Las Vegas would sell tickets equally as, as well as a Taylor Chantel Cameron part three. Uh, should, the, should the state invest in it as a, as a global sporting event? There should be an element, but it, it certainly shouldn't be that the state have to make up the shortfall because because matchroom don't want to.
0: I remember as well. Uh wasn't it last time Conor McGregor said, I'll pay for the I'll pay for the uh, security costs. And I don't think that happened, but he did come on board as a sponsor. That was something that was broached at the end of the Taylor uh press conference afterwards, which I don't really like in them to press conferences anymore. I see them as a TV show. Mm-hmm. Eddie Hearn is the uh, the Conan O'Brien or the the gay burn <laughs> and he has an assortment of different guests sit with him yeah. at various weeks, which is why he kind of had a go, I think, at Sean McGoldrick from the Irish Independent for Asking fairly valid question about the uh the validity of conor mcgregor sponsoring the uh sponsoring the event on saturday night and yeah like i mean it's i think it's it's fairly simple for me like this is a private venture you know this isn't
2: um they're not handing kind out of no free tickets to school kids to go to this like this is a this is a private venture there will be absolutely you know the grassroots of boxing will benefit in terms of the profile that the sport would would achieve and all the rest of it but that's that's a very nebulous thing. It's very hard to measure that. So it's a private venture. It's a business. It's a business deal. Personally, I don't think the government should be particularly anywhere near us. Don't use any need for them to be anywhere near us. And that's, that's not, um, to deprive Katie of, of her mean, Katie deserves to fight wherever the hell she wants. I think she's done, she's done more than enough on, on that front. I just think the practicalities around Crow Park seem, seem a bit far fetched for me. I have to say it's, it's gas also how. Sport goes because this time last week, um you know, right and rightly. I mean, people were talking about whether this could be Katie's last fight. And yeah, I think the, yeah, the, the, the writing her off aspect does come from a she doesn't want to hear us so and she it's not relevant to her. You have to make of these things what you will, but it comes from a good place. People want to see her get out of this wealthy, in good health, and with a great career, having a tutor. She's already she's nothing more to prove. That's what people want. And I think that's 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 where that's coming from. But uh, but now we're talking. I mean, it'll be interesting to see will there be any discussion at all about retirement from now on. Because we're now. I mean, just in the last ten or fifteen minutes, we're talking about uh, she's got to go to Vegas, she's got to fight Serrano in Vegas. Mm. She could fight Cameron in 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 uh, Club Park or somewhere. There's there's more fights. She's only come into her prime as a pro boxer. We've we've said. Yeah. It's amazing how stuff can turn around when like a second defeat and where she's tossed. You know. I'm obviously stuff doesn't just flip around like that,
0: you know. I do. I do find it odd, though, the uh, the the tendency people have to tell Taylor to retire. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah. sure it would happen yeah. for a 37 year old man. Maybe it would. We we're all aware that boxing's a dangerous sport, and as as athletes approach 40 years old, you know their ability to take punishment lessons, and especially when you've had a long career in the amateurs. So I understand that that uh, that wish to see boxers especially the ones who've succeeded and accomplished everything in the sport there's a nice kind of thing to see them retire but I think I understand why sports stars or boxers mm. will get annoyed if every single time you're confronted by the media it's like I think you should retire soon Katie you know and uh, I'm not sure we'd be saying it to, to guys um, I did want to ask Siobhan I did I did want to ask Siobhan um Obviously, there is the question that state aid and Hearn's going to look for it. And he's playing a game. He's just chancing his arm. He's going to say, listen, this can happen if Ireland gets behind Katie Taylor. I just want to ask you as well, maybe to play devil's advocate. And I'm not sure that the Irish taxpayers should be putting money in matrim's pockets. But at the same time, we've seen women's sport develop massively in Ireland. Uh, you know, earlier on this summer, we sent the team to the World Cup in uh, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, our track and field athletes are achieving an awful lot. Uh and Katie Taylor has been at the forefront of a real buzz for women's sport, like the 20 for 20 campaign. Women get a lot, an awful lot more coverage in the media than they would have maybe a decade ago. Can you, can you chart the, the real importance Taylor's had on the development of women's sport here in Ireland? And maybe is that worth the payoff? Like she's accomplished an awful lot. Is that worth the payoff that maybe the government could say, listen, right, we're going to go with this. We're going we're to help part promote an event for Taylor.
1: Um, yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think Katie is the benchmark. You know, she was the first big breakthrough superstar. We had Sonia O'Sullivan, we had Katrina McLean, and um, we had Olympic success. But really following a solo venture, I think... Katie has broken down all barriers. She kicked on after London 2012. Uh, she became an outlier for women's professional boxing, just as she had done for for women's amateur boxing. And you know, is it a case of build it now and and they will come? And you know, if Katie Taylor does get Crow Park, I've no doubt that there'll be eighty thousand. Because you know, all the talk was that Ed Sheeran would, sit, would 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 sing her into the ring. So you have to factor that in, in into the mix as well. It can turn into a family event for some. Primarily, yes, it will be a boxing event. And, you know, you'll have to have a very, very stacked undercard with an awful lot more uh, quality than perhaps it was on show on Saturday night in order to to get the real boxing aficionados into it. But, um, yeah, you know, I think there's, there's certainly a legitimate argument to, to say to the government, well, here you have the queen of of professional boxing. And, you know, now she needs a leg up to get her dream over the line. And, and, and are you going to help her? You know, I don't think it really matters a job to, to Eddie Hearn, whether he gets it done or not. But, you know, when Katie Taylor is sitting at home in, in 10 years' time, will she say to herself, Eddie Hearn failed to, to get me Croke Park? No, because Eddie Hearn will have, have come and made every... Straight to get Crow Park over the mm. line, and and for one reason or another, it w- won't have happened. It won't be Eddie Earns' fault.
0: Yeah, I think like I mean, with some clever ticketing routes, you know, maybe discounts for the boxing clubs, uh, cheap tickets, and all. He's he spoke about thirty euro tickets, which I'd like to hold them to. Let's see if that takes place. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Thirty euro tickets. I uh, can't see that happening. It'll be fifty minimum, I'm sure. But um.
1: But it has to it has to happen because you know the boxing clubs are, are are you know the foundation of boxing and and they're the ones that can't afford the hundred and fifty euro tickets to go into the three arena last yeah. Saturday night and and probably more expensive last May so you know there has to be some sort of scheme put in place for the sale of those tickets with priority going to to members of boxing clubs yeah. they're the ones that 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 really deserve to be there.
0: And it's one thing to say, and I would say it myself, but like ticketing, ticket sales were slower for Taylor Cameron 2 than they were for Taylor Cameron 1. And obviously the homecoming bubble was burst, Taylor had fallen to her first defeat, but it's very expensive to go to boxing. I think it's beyond the reach of families to go, you know, to bring your couple of kids. I don't know who could, you know, most people wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah, and it's the outside stuff as well. I mean, you're, it's not just, you know, if you're in Dublin, okay, it's fine,
2: you can go and come back, but it's a late night event. Mm. So you're not going to be Unless you're me, you're not going to be driving three hours down the road afterwards. Huh. Um, but like, it's just, it's, it's, um, yeah. I don't know. The the family thing you'd have, you'd want to have the fight fairly early, which they wouldn't want to have the fight early in the evening, really, to make something like that work. Um, so there's an awful lot. That's what I mean. There's an awful lot of variables that just. I, don't know, I hope I'm. I hope I'm wrong. She's lovely to be sitting in Crow Park, praying it's not going to rain in May. Uh, waiting for Katie and but again again that's another that's thing so like if you look at last weekend and again the kind of the stripping back of all the the media duties and the hyperbole and as I say the ring walk was I'm in the ring and Cameron was the same she was like I'm in the ring 80 seconds that yeah, yeah, same thing that, that won't work for Crock Parklet like they're going to have to embrace the occasion and I remember in Vegas or not Vegas, sorry in New York um, for the Serrano fight that was a big thing I remember Peter saying that he had told Katie to take her moment. When you go out there, take a moment to take your moment, you know, and um, take it in. And maybe she did that too much the first night out as well. So now they've gone out the second time against Cameron and left the moment. Should I just look at, we're here on a business. This isn't a homecoming. This is a business trip. Um, there's going to have to be some kind of compromise there if they were to go to Crow Park, for example. I think if it went to the three arena for a tournament, it would be different. But... You know where? Maybe I—I I, I don't know. It's—it's it's an interesting psychological one as well to kind of in terms of how, how much, how far does she go to even embrace the Crow park experience, having had the experience of uh, embracing the homecoming and it not really going that well, and then not embracing the homecoming, it goes better. All those little things kind of play in your mind
0: too, I think. You know? Yeah. Siobhan, after 2012 at the Olympic Games uh, in London, I presume you were there, Siobhan. I was. Yeah. After those Olympic Games and all she achieved. Her father, Pete, said she should retire. Then, did did you did you yourself ever could you ever have believed that eleven years down the line we'd be where we are now, and she'd have achieved uh, everything since?
1: Back in in twenty twelve, would you see that we would be here in twenty twenty three? No, definitely not. But um, I, I never at one stage thought at that point that she would retire. Fast forward four years, and and. The, the disappointment, the huge disappointment that Rio was. Would she walk away from the game then? Yes, potentially. And I think, you know, she took seven, eight months to, to think about what she wanted to do. And she said that she, she'd go and, and give the pro game a crack. You know, look at all the criticism that she came in for at the time for for leaving Ireland at that stage. You know, like she had been built up. By the IABA. There's so many good boxing coaches in Ireland, and she headed off to America. You know, it, there's, there's certainly a movie in it.
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Ross yeah. Whitaker, come, come back to the director's chair.
2: But <laughs> is it amazing, like that? You know, you mentioned Rio, and I mean, or not, not Rio, I mean, London. Um, and if you thought at London, that was the peak, like that was the career peak. Mm-hmm. Her sheer brilliance as an amateur boxing had helped you just will women's boxing to the Olympic Games. She goes, she climbs the mountain, she wins gold. And that's the moment, like that's your movie moment right there. And you go, okay, where are you going next? You go to Rio and okay, you think a second gold medal or whatever. And that's, that's it then. And of course it doesn't work out. What I find extraordinary is that she had that movie moment in 2012 and 11 years later, she's created two more, at least. I mean, in, in Madison Square Garden, that felt like the peak, you know, winning that fight, that felt like the peak. And yet she's come back now and she has this other rivalry with this other boxer that no one really thought about uh before before last year.
0: Yeah. And now I, saw, you're looking I, saw, at it. I certainly was. I was seeing this on yeah, the coming You saw line. her coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah, saw, yeah. Well, guys,
2: I'm I'm sure guys like yeah. you know you were tuned in like yourself, saw saw her coming. But like this now now she's on the verge of this epic trilogy. And yeah. I would like I would say it was it was the best professional win she's had was the other night. It was better than the Serrano for all sorts of reasons. And so now she's achieved another peak. It's an extraordinary career she's had to be able to to invent, reinvent, and reinvent
0: again. She said, um, resurrection is in my DNA, you know, a nod to her religious beliefs and stuff. Um, I was just in the second captain's the other day where they had uh, Gavin Casey and Andy Leon, and they were saying that against Serrano, we saw, you know, her resurrection m- mid-fight. You know, she, she looked like she's gone against Serrano. And now we've seen it in the break between the the 10th and the 11th rounds against uh, Chantelle Cameron. So, yeah, she's certainly adding absolutely everything. Like if she's, if she's filling out a a boxing bingo card, she's like, right, I've got that one done. You know, I've ticked this box. She's ticked the under underdog box. She's, you know, she's looking at Crow Park. She might look at Las Vegas, Uh, but I think a trilogy seems to matter to her. She talked about um, Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera. Uh, Morales won the first. Barrera levelled it up at one all, and then Barrera went and won the set and won the third one. She seems to, she seems to have that one the bit between her teeth as well. So I, I be thinking, most likely it's Cameron. Cameron's gonna be very unhappy at coming back to Dublin, but to do a stadium fight, I think like Eddie Hearn effectively has explained it, I and mean, he promotes both fighters, which is I think it's problematic, really. Like I mean, it's it's not not really the done thing in the USA. Managing the same like managing the same fighters is not really okay here in professional fights, but it does happen that particularly in women's boxing, Hearn's Matchroom Stable have been good at attracting all of the female boxers to their stable and then just put them, putting them together in dog fights, And that's been really good for the standard of boxing and for the standard of women's fights, getting more unified and undisputed fights. But it is going to leave somebody quite unhappy walking away from the contest that their promoter is happy that his other fighter has won and uh, I have to leave to go. But uh, I was going to ask um, Mick. I want to ask you, like, cover like a range of sport and Siobhan, you would as well. Like, you're not just covering boxing solely for your uh, respective uh, respective radio stations and uh, newspapers. Mick, how would it rank that, that event that we saw the other night? For because uh, obviously for boxing fans in Ireland, that would have been a bit of a pinnacle. But how would a night like that re- uh, compare to like covering an All Ireland final for you or other events that you go to?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's boxing is always different. Because, well, for a start, like, it's an indoor arena. So you had, like, nine, ten thousand 10,000 people in there, as opposed to, let's say, 82,500 in Croix Park, where the atmosphere is different, right? Like, to compare it, like, just in terms of boxing, I always said, like, that Bernard Dunn and Cordoba was the loudest event I was ever at in my life. The When he got the decision that night, I, I've never experienced anything like it. I, have to, I thought last Saturday night, I'm going to just say it exceeded it because... 2009, so long ago. I probably, probably, you know, i am just, I'm just like really one of those old for the saying was better in my time or whatever. So I would say that probably exceeded it um, in terms of sheer volume and sort of the uh, just, just the noise. I mean, football wise or J wise, yeah. I mean, I always thought 2002 All Ireland final when Armagh one was something else. Like the nut, yeah, the explosion when when they won was was something else. But uh, um, boxing wise, yeah. I would say last I'd say the last night, yeah. Yeah, was probably probably number one Madison Square Garden would probably be
0: number two joint with Bernard Dunne. Siobhan, you're gonna have to you've got the trilogy nod here because I'd say Dun Cordova maybe just shaded and just in terms of the sheer drama, because the knockdowns done looked like he was finished. He'd knocked down Cordova, then he got knocked down twice himself, saved by the bell in the fifth round and came back to win by knockout. What do you you reckon, Saval?
1: Yeah, that was a real, that was a real, real great night. And and that was a real great sporting day because you might remember Ireland had won the Grand Slam before that. Yes. And and, and it, it was all building nicely. And, yeah, it, 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 you're, you're, I suppose you're going to split hairs between them. You know, it's it's different strokes for different folks. But Don Cordoba in 2009 certainly was a great night. But so too so too was, was Saturday night. But for me, you know, again, and I'll just make reference briefly to the undercard. I just think the quality of the undercard wasn't yeah. there. You know, Matchroom could have just put on one or two more high caliber contests just to build it that little bit more at, yeah, at times you just felt a bit cheated by it but the the, the main event lived up to all the mm. uh,
0: did anyone catch your eye on the undercard folks obviously I think uh, Paddy Donovan maybe walks oh, no. away with the uh, the win for, for for this one it was great to, it was good for Gary Cully's confidence to see him just, I'd say he was like Taylor I, like I mentioned the Carf Roch quote at the start he would have just slipped throat to get the win I think after being so devastated by his defeat in Dublin last time, but uh, but Cully, but Donovan, walked away like you know with the he'd caught the eye. He looks he looks the part,
2: doesn't he? He really really does look the part, and it's just relief for Gary Cully, really. Um, there was a moment, might have been in the second round, and he was he was sitting on his stool, and I kind of looked at him, and you just you just for a flicker of a thought, I thought, oh my God, like this guy is on the on the brink here, like, could go either way, like he's confident. you can imagine, like his confidence is. He took, a, he took a few shots early in that fight and you're kind of going Jesus if, if, if this goes wrong early it's going to go really really wrong for him but to be fair he gritted it out it wasn't a pretty fight like it wasn't anything like Siobhan said none of, none of the undercard really lived up to much Um, but he gritted it out and it was just I was really normally normally in these things from just from a professional point of view, you just sit there and you watch and it's like, yeah, whatever. But I was delighted for him, to be honest. He's a good lad and I was I was just glad it went well for him. And uh, as you say, kind of like Paddy Donovan just sticks out like a real talent. You'd like to see him, you know, see him perhaps we get up to the next level, you know. That'll be the thing for him.
0: I spoke to Andy Lee and it seems that they're very keen on taking Siobhan, the winner of the uh, the Lewis Crocker versus Tyrone McKenna fight, which would elevate him up another level as well. So, like, there's exciting times I think at the welterweight in Ireland because Kieran Malloy's out there, Callum Walsh as well. It's 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 really strong.
1: Yeah, but I think that Paddy Donovan will be the the outlier in this division from an Irish point of view. I've seen him a couple of times now. I remember we saw him, you and I, Kevin, uh, at the National Stadium as an amateur, and he was a standout amateur. And, you know, there was a few eyes raised when he decided to, to throw the, the vest by and go pro. Then Andy came on board. And I really think the sky's the limit with them because there's not much that you can throw at a fighter that Andy Lee won't be prepared for. And I think if, if Paddy Donovan can keep even somewhat of the sole focus that Katie Taylor has, I think this guy can go far.
0: Yeah. And he's a good talker as well, Siobhan. Like he's. He's slicking, well that's it and that, that really
1: helps yeah that really helps that you can sell tickets mm-hmm. you know straight away after the fight on Saturday night Andy Lee said oh well now we can bring match room to Limerick because was it in the back of his head if, if the rest of the card didn't go right that's the end of match room in Ireland yeah, for, yeah, for whatever yeah. length of time. So, you know, Andy was thinking on his feet with that one. Yeah, Paddy Cully, Dun- I think Paddy Donovan's yeah. style will sell tickets anyway.
0: Yeah, and Cully was the anointed one, like, as the successor. Now, he's back, like, he's back in the winning uh, section, but he's going to need another couple now to, uh, you know, before they can consider him as a headline status as well. Hearn said as much last week, uh, obviously. And I, I did like, I, did, I do like seeing Paddy, and it's... It's, this isn't a PR move it's something he does from the heart but he he says in the first thing he says in his interview I'd like to dedicate that fight to Pieta House and you know he speaks up for you know he speaks up against suicide and he even encourages people to get in touch with him via his DMs and we'll speak to them on the phone because it's it's touched his life as well and there was a big documentary on this week on RT about traveller suicide it's something Paddy's Active on, and I find it quite inspiring myself. (laughs) I probably shouldn't, you know, if you know, you say as a journalist you want to remain impartial, but then you see a guy doing something like that, and you think you can't help but admire the movie's making.
2: Yeah, no, he seems to have, he has it every which way, like he has the skills in the ring, uh, he has the skills outside the ring, you know, he seems to be a very good guy, and look, he's not going to go wrong if Angie Lee isn't going to put him wrong either as a person or as a boxer, you know, so uh. Please God, this guy. is the limit for him. You know, he really was very impressive the last night. Whatever about the opponent, he just the way he moves and he's got a bit of power. He's just, he's a bit about him. I like him. Yeah.
0: So, lads, I take there's a we won't be um we won't be writing Katie Taylor off again anyway. If she if she does come back for it for another fight, which I assume she will at this stage, do you think she should stay at um? Light welterweight now, or should like she's gonna have to make a choice, stay at light welterweight or you know, go back to lightweight. She's the undisputed champion at both. I think she's the first Irish fighter in history to do so as well. Like so she's made she's made history and um but now she's got a choice.
1: Yeah, that's the, the, the million dollar question now, isn't it? Um because I think the, the amount of work that they had to do to be Comfortable at the weight, she looked an awful lot more comfortable in the ring on Saturday night at 140. So, how much work had to go in to getting her to that stage in that six-month period? You know, and, and, and how much money how much investment would it take then to go boil back down to one three five? You know, like Lady Time is catching up on everybody. We we said that she's 37. By the time the next fight turns around, she'll almost be 38. Maybe she'll be more comfortable now at one forty. Yeah. She's gone out and beaten the best. You know, she could have taken the option of boiling Cameron back down to one three seven, one three eight, she chose not to. She chose to meet fire with fire and make 140 and make herself comfortable at 140. I can't really see her going back to 135 now. Yeah,
0: it's, a great, it's a great point you make because there are bigger name fights out there at the higher weights from Michaela Meyer and Natasha Jonas to Chris Cyborg, you know, who's taken up a bit of professional boxing now. And even Cecilia Breakhouse, like she isn't completely just wedded to Chantel Cameron and Amanda Serrano. And I think as Hearn said, Make um, regarding the belts. She's bigger than the belts now. And sometimes a boxing a fighter gets to that point of superstardom where they are bigger than the belts.
2: Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. And I mean, even the names you reeled off there, they all have enough to justify getting in the ring number one with Taylor. And for Taylor, I mean, I think when you get in the ring with Katie, that sprinkle stardust stardom straight away on the fight having Katie involved, it it almost uh, at this point you now it it lifts the opponent even more. So you yep. it. but yep. as you say. The names there, they won't need much. They won't need much lifting. They're all bona fide like. And uh, I'd agree with Siobhan. I think notice she's at one forty. Why just stay there? I mean, you know, I think we've kind of more unless I'd say unless she's going to take uh, a spin to Vegas. Um, you know, it's going to be Cameron next. So why, you know, why why kind of try and reinvent the wheel? Try and, and put yourself through that punishment to get back down against. There we are, and and just drive on, you know.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see her get her Vegas fight. I remember interviewing Katie, I think in about 2009, maybe 2008, quite a while ago anyway. And uh, yeah, Vegas was on her her list of things that she really, really wanted to do, have a big pro fight in in Las Vegas. And uh,
1: I think it's also on Brian Peters' list. Brian Peters spoke, you know, at the height of Bernard Dunn, trying to get him a fight in in Las Vegas on, on the main strip. And that didn't happen. So, you know, again talking to him privately on, on Saturday night and in, in the days since you know he's even talking about the possibility of having the fight in the sphere which is the new <laughs> venue and yeah. I, I, I have no concept of how that would work but um yeah like the sky, as I say the sky's the limit I think she's done it all and proven it more than once at 135. If I was Amanda Serrano and I, I witnessed what I witnessed on, on Saturday night, mm-hmm. I think I'd stay away from Katie Taylor. You know, Amanda mm-hmm. Serrano has her own legacy and she doesn't need another defeat from Katie Taylor. If that's yeah, the way she's it was so to pan fluid. out.
0: She's so fluid in her weight classes and she's making her own history. She's doing 12 by 3s. She's fighting alongside Jake Paul, making big money. Anyone who fights her, kind of in a way that Taylor has gets their own name elevated and like Cameron comes out of this she she's been shorn of her belts but her reputation and her her name recognition is you know
1: well but there's tougher. another point Kevin at uh, 12 threes, it was you just mentioned briefly in the in the uh, in the press conference afterwards yes. and Katie said yeah she says I don't mind I'll go 12 threes you know is that a selling point of the next fight Against it's, whomever,
0: it's definitely something quirky that she could do. Um, I don't know if they are genuinely chasing it, maybe they are. I get the feeling Katie would have said after winning on Saturday night, she's up for absolutely anything. Yeah. Hey, we just go down and knock down the <laughs> yeah, yeah yes. let's do it, let's <laughs> do it. Give me the keys to the bulldozer, I'm, I'm gone. Like, you know, she wasn't going to shirk from any challenge at that stage, but like, it is something that Serrano's doing, and I'd say she's up for it as well. She says it benefits the, fu- the, the boxer versus the fire, doesn't it? But I think Taylor's become both things now at this stage yeah like, and, the
2: there's, and there's definitely something in that and we have, we have to think of the obviously we have to think of the athlete in this but on a flip side of that I think one of the reasons why we've had three absolute barn burners like from Katie Taylor over the last four fights is the 10 by 2 because it just there's no room there's no room to kind of scope things out you know you gotta get out and you you got you got to do what you decided you're going to do, and you've got that contrast of styles, obviously with Katie and others in the last couple of fights as well as that. But I don't know. I think the ten by two, and also like if you're going into a trilogy, that's a big thing to bring into the completion of a trilogy. You know, uh, twelve by threes for the first time. So, you know, I, I kind of hope to leave the ten by two. I, I yeah, I get a fear. I, I really buzz off the ten by two. I love I love uh, I love the energy. In it. You know? But yeah, it goes right it, now. We had we we, to- we, we, we we had a couple of fights now on Saturday night yeah. that did not buzz at all as yeah. ten by two. So we <laughs> have credit a- to the athletes here. Credit <laughs> to the boxers.
0: It's a move. It works. It's a move as well to make boxing less safe as well. I think they have it, you know, they have it in a certain situation. Why increase the time, the duration, why increase the number of rounds? That would that would make it less safe, you know. So hmm. But I, I get the I get on the flip side as well, it would give Taylor the time to be more composed to slow it down because all of our fights are like an absolute sprint, aren't they? Like I mean the heart rate at the end of them Shavon, I don't know about you, but I was like nearly in palpitations at that stage. <laughs> Laptop on the lap, and make we might touch on the perils of being a newspaper man in a digital oh, age. But um yes, <laughs> you know but it's it, the
2: worst.
0: You know. It's the worst. I was worst, thinking, man. my jacket's off. What am I supposed to do here? Take off my shirt? Like what? You know, it was. Just, <laughs> it was. Tight. It was. You know, you were sweating, and like, the, imagine, imagine the toll on the athletes boxing at that pace for twenty for twenty, yeah, for ten twos, you know, twenty minutes. It's relentless.
2: It's relentless, and it's in, again, you know, well, again, we don't want to sound ageist about it, but I mean, it's just immensely impressive what you know what Katie managed to do. But and Siobhan touched on it there, I mean, enormous credit to Chantel Cameron here. Yeah. I mean she. You may be right, Siobhan. I mean, she may not have been at her best in the same way that Katie might have been at her best in fight one. But Christ, it wouldn't have taken a whole lot more for her to win. I mean, the courage almost goes without saying, but just, uh, she's an immensely impressive fighter, immensely impressive operator, Like you know? Um, and, uh, you know, she deserves an, a huge amount of credit, you know, for... No, it takes two to make
0: a classic. And course. looks like the sort of machine if she was put in 12 by three minute rounds, she would just continue to keep pouring forward and,
2: oh, I she you know, she win. Style. Yeah, I think she'd Mexican. probably win to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And it, th- that'll be an interesting thing for her coming into a third fight if it does come to pass would be how they tweak their approach, you know, because I think Katie will have to tweak her approach again, you know, and you don't walk into the exactly. same river twice, you know, so she'll have to, she'll have to change. her. I think one of the lessons I would have taught from the, the Cameron perspective and Kev, you're at, it would be lovely to hear from both camps exactly what they were planning to do the last night but just from what you can, what we can gauge from the outside looking in I would imagine the Cameron camp would have to go at a third fight with Katie in a different way than what they've approached the first two and whether she had that capacity or not I'd imagine she does but it would be very interesting to see what they might do differently or how they yeah. might go at
0: it differently yeah. you know I don't think they'd allow a uh, referee Roberto Ramirez Jr. to be the third man in the ring at this yeah. one given the complaints we've heard from uh Manchester, Salford, Northampton direction in the days since. (laughs) Were you you speaking to them at all, uh, Siobhan, in the days after as a camera camper? No, no, no. Just uh, like Taylor didn't the first time.
1: No, and you know, like after the first one, uh, Jamie Moore was happy enough to speak to anybody, but on Saturday night, I walked down uh, down by the dressing room area and it was firmly door shut. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think she made her first remarks yesterday uh, which was Tuesday so I mean that's what are we talking about? that's three days later and they were they were exactly the remarks you'd make if you wanted if you were going into a third fight they were like well fair play to Katie well done and you know uh, a bordering on it was a privilege to be in a ring with her stuff you know which is exactly what any self-respecting sports team GA team would be saying if they were going into a third match against the crowd that they won the first time lost the second time let's butter them up now until they can't even walk they'll be so slippy so you know it'll be, you know, typical stuff. We're all, you know, we're not quite back to square one with it, but we're certainly uh, the mind games are
0: ongoing. It's yeah. I'll finish off the I'll finish off this just as um just as the as the press conference finished at the end of the fight. Obviously, um, Sean McGoldrick. we we're twenty four minutes in. Sean McGoldrick. Uh, Siobhan asked a question about uh, Conor McGregor's sponsorship of the event and, and Eddie Hearn kind of flipped on him oh you're always being so negative and stuff like that and uh, you know I'm not going to answer these questions in front of Katie what, what did she make of the reaction like I mean I think I get why people don't like hearing journalists ask these sort of questions I understand and when the when the, when the video is clipped and sent around the world you know the video of the of the hmm. TV show that they're, they're all watching is sent around but it's a press conference like I mean when, it, when else are you going to ask these questions I did note that like, like th- this is the first opportunity the newspaper journalists had had to speak with uh, Eddie and Katie after the fight. Like Eddie had already done seven or eight minutes with the uh, IFL TV backstage. He'd already done seven or eight minutes with uh forged Stout sponsored boxing social backstage. And then there's a sense I've already answered these questions. It's like, yeah, but well, you've answered them to effectively in-house PR, uh, you know, state sponsored PR media, Matthew media, effectively.
1: He actually did them all at, at ringside after he the did fight. did another one at ringside, yeah, did Um I, I, Where he spoke at length about who sponsors the fight and who, who doesn't sponsor the fight. And again, you have to turn turn this back to it's a business venture. And if he's going to get sponsorship of the fight, he's not going to turn it down. And, and, and prior to Thursday, he saw no reason as to why he was going to turn it down. My understanding, up until lunchtime on Friday... Conor McGregor was still due to attend the fight and then Matchroom took a decision on Friday that, that that he he would be asked not to attend. Members of his family were certainly in attendance on 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 Saturday night.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't I don't think he was out of the country. I think I saw a video from um the Forge the Black the Black yeah. Forge, yeah, where there was a big party, big screens and uh you know, he's there having a a meal with the with the wife and kids you know about you know celebrating enjoying the fight but like i mean i get you know i get it's katie taylor's victorious post-fight press conference like i personally wanted to hear from i understood like why to to ask about mcgregor at that at that event which has been recorded is kind of like pissing inside the tent almost the way they see it, they see it but there's no other real opportunity to ask these questions so it has to be asked, and I think it's there's no other. You know, that's it. That's.
1: Well, it. I understand that he's also sponsoring uh, the cards in Belfast on, on Saturday night, so maybe there'll be a further opportunity to, to, to seek their views on it.
0: Well, I think we saw with the MTK stuff in the past that events in the south don't really matter to mm-hmm. boxing Very in Belfast. Value. They do not care. Like they were asked, you know, during the uh, during the years that there was a series of gangland murders on the streets of Dublin, boxing continued unabated in Belfast, and whenever anyone was asked about it. They all said, well, we don't really pay attention to that up here. And that's kind of... Boxing is a united All-Ireland sport until you start to see the the difficult questions. And it's like, oh, that's not to do with us. I think one of the...
2: And this is possibly one of the things that um, sort of makes Ireland complicated. Yes. I'd say in Eddie Hearn's mind is that a lot of things, elements that are outside of boxing, let's say, infiltrate boxing so things like the mtk questions you've jamie moore there, chantel cameron is a former mtk fighter there was questions around that before the first fight and then you have mcgregor's presence and there's questions around mcgregor mcgregor's uh involvement in the fight and you know financial investments and, and whatnot and these are things that he can sort past in other jurisdictions but they come to the fore here because they are newsworthy and and again you have. You don't have an enormous boxing-focused media. You have people coming in who, like myself, who come in uh, interlopers, really, um, who are involved in specific for specific events and specific bouts, and they're asking questions. Now, with respect to Sean, I, like to, I wouldn't describe Sean as an interloper. Sean's been covering boxing for many, many years, and you know has done, a, has done a terrific job down the years. On the question of whether the, you know the question should be asked, course should be asked. Like I mean, there should be room for all of it. There should be room for the questions that you wanted to ask him, and there should be answers given, ideally. But equally, there should be there should be room for other questions to be asked in regards to stuff like McGregor. Sounds to me like they didn't answer anything because they didn't answer anything about McGregor. They Didn't answer anything about you know the kind of the vibe around the fight and the, and, and the tactics involved. I don't know did you see it, lads, enough? But there was a there was a there was a little clip that went kind of viral there a couple weeks ago of a college basketball coach I think it was in the States and he did a press conference where the questions were a bit benign we'll say you know and he actually stopped the press conference and said you guys need to ask questions you know you're here you're, to, you're here to learn you're here to ask questions and ask good questions and we are obliged to answer you that's what we're here to do right here right now yeah. and if you don't ask us questions we're not going to answer you, or you know there has to be, you know, so use this as an an opportunity, use this as an experience, use it for what it's meant to be, which is to ask questions.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and he got what, up
2: and he walked out. So I
0: mean
2: that's sh- that sh- oh, but his point was you're not asking good enough questions, so I'm out of here. So I mean, I think journalists journalists in a scenario like, like last Saturday night have an obligation to ask whatever questions they want to ask.
0: Sure, it's and it's Eddie Hearn or whoever's right not to answer them. Yeah. Or to and he'll give a he'll give a lo- he'll give a long-winded and detailed answer to a question, if if it pertains to Conor McGregor's positive impact which, on the on the publicity of the show, if it's oh McGregor's done this, that, and the other, it's brilliant to have him involved. But if it's a, if it's on a, if it's got a negative tinge, it's how dare you ask me the question at, at Katie Taylor? Yeah, which is fine, and, that, that's, and that's the,
2: and the, and if the journalist wants to pursue that, it's it's our job to hold him to whatever account we believe he needs to be held to in that
0: scenario, or you know if if it's a whatever the issue is. You know, and at the press conference on Thursday, no questions were asked. You know, it's it's the it's no questions from the floor. Her and us, the, the fighters, the questions. So <laughs> I, as far it just sticks to my point that the press conference these days are TV shows. And if anybody yeah. seems to spoil it now, there's like this great offense taken. Uh, yeah, Siobhan, but- obviously we were standing there just like you're almost bemused at the way, the way it's <laughs> going, you know.
1: Yeah, but again, see, I have to go back to it's a business for Eddie Hearn. He had made his money on Saturday night. He he didn't need to answer any questions. In his mind, the show was done. The result was the right one. Everybody went away happy. Katie was going away happy. And his job was, let's pack up the truck and get out of here. Yeah, now, if much, he wants to yeah. come back the next time, he better be prepared. Because if there is forged stout involvement or whatever beer brand it may be the next time I'm sure there'll be a lot more questions there'll be a lot more Irish journalists and a lot more interest in it and he won't be able to avoid it this the scrutiny of it but with regard to Saturday night the events of Thursday night in the capital it just came too late to put any extra scrutiny on you know the involvement of Conor McGregor on 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 Saturday night
0: And in f- I will, in f- I will say, like in fairness to Eddie Hearn, and like strike me down for saying it, but like he did go on Ireland AM last week. Now his, his answers weren't fully fleshed out, but he went on Ireland AM last Friday and did answer questions about Conor McGregor. And he did speak at ringside immediately after the fight about McGregor was dismissive, at the very least, in the press conference. But they, you know, went on off the ball this week and spoke about it as well a little bit. You know, his answers yeah. may not satisfy everybody. But he did anyway, at least he did. You know, take the like,
2: a, big, a big element of this is always, always and ever, whether it's sports managers, promoters, whatever, it's control. And it's controlling the old, our old friend, the controllables, you know. So in the scenario you have now, in professional sports in particular, you have so many in-house media outlets that you can really control the message and you can so, focus your message there. The traditional media, as we want to call them, which would include us, um. I just said, I mean, the press conference last night was the tail end of loads of other media outlets that he could control the message and he wasn't going to get asked questions he didn't want to get asked. Whereas he could go into us then, and if he gets asked a question, like Chibon said, he not care. Like, you know, he doesn't need to sell anything here, you know? And I mean, the notion that we'll think badly of him or someone will think badly of matching for having Conor McGregor attached, he could care less, i said. you know? Yeah. It's not. This is a deal for us because we live in Ireland. To him, it's a speck. It's nothing. Right?
0: So, like, it's... it's, uh, it's As apart- Tommy Tiernan once described it, a phlegm on his brother's jacket.
2: A phlegm on his brother's jacket. I couldn't <laughs> have said it better. But that's the point. Like, they So all all the traditional you know, in a media can do is do what we've always done, which is hopefully ask co- the questions that need to be asked. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll ever be answered. That was never the case. But certainly there's more opportunities now for guys to dodge Answering those questions because of the amount of in-house media there is, and so on and so forth, you got to keep asking the questions. And like you said, Kev, I mean, media access last week to all the boxers was so limited, and um, it's kind of it was it's 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 unfortunate to see. You can understand the reasoning behind it from a performance point of view and what they want to do. That's fine, but it will have it will have an effect, and the effect is that you'll have press conferences where the lads will get pissed off that they're not getting asked. The nice questions about wasn't this a great night? Okay. Which I'm sure, by the way, there was plenty of questions, I'm sure. About
0: what a fantastic move this was for Judy. Yeah. yeah, and I'd say, unfortunately, unfortunately, but I'd say a large proportion of uh, my, the listeners to the show will be saying, F the media, you know." Yeah,
1: so, sure, good luck. Yeah, and yeah, so, you know. Yeah, but Kev, go back to when Bernard Dunn was at the height of it, and he was being promoted by by Brian Peters, who was who was just like uh, the Jurassell Bunny. You just couldn't keep him quiet. But now, before, during, or after, he doesn't want to know the media. He doesn't want to be speaking on the record whatsoever. And if we really want to know the insight into what Kayleigh T- Taylor thinks of the involvement of Conor McGregor on a show, he's the man that should come and answer those questions. If she's not going to come and answer them, he's the boxing manager. Brian Peters should be the one that's answering these questions primarily. In my...
0: Peter's of- over her, but I suppose would her not be the promoter of the event who's, take you know, organizing the event, takes in the sponsorship. Oh, I suppose you mean... Sorry, I probably have misunderstood you. If we're looking for Katie's insight on McGregor being involved in her show, you go to the manager Peters. Yeah, that's fair, that's a fair comment, I think. Yes.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Again,
0: again, it's stuff it's stuff that they don't
2: need to answer because it'll just these kind of things will just drift off on the wind. You know. Uh you're right. But if 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 McGregor is involved in the promoter or, or sorry, in the financing of the next fight in any way, shape, or form, it'll all come up again. Fair
0: enough. But for the time being, it'll just flitter away in the breeze, and who knows
2: where we'll all be in
0: over six months. On to Vegas, you know, on to Belfast this week. Who knows where next week? Monte Carlo, Bilbao, on on you go. The roadshow continues on, and uh, we it. await the next one. And, uh, and hopefully, I suppose, for Irish boxing fans, it is a homecoming because, like I say, it is a positive to see boxing back uh, on a big scale in Dublin. And I think um, there's going to be a renewed. Uh, enthusiasm for especially after Katie Taylor's victory and those of uh, the fighters on the undercard I want to thank you both for joining us I will leave it there I think I want to thank you both for joining us this week on the Rocky Road that's Siobhan Madigan from RTE Sport and Mick Foley from uh, the Sunday Times thank you both very much
1: cheers guys